You're listening to media from University Lutheran Church and Student Center. We are a multi-generational, Jesus-centered community of Scripture, faith, and grace located in Tallahassee, Florida, on the campus of Florida State University. To learn more and to get connected to other resources, please visit universitylutheranchurch.org. We hope that the next few moments are a time when God speaks into your life by the power of His Holy Spirit about His Son, Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three, and One who comes in order to give us new expectations for life. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Have you ever read Great Expectations, anybody? A a few of you, yeah? So you you kind of know. In a lot of high schools, it's it's considered to be one of those novels that you need to read for some reason or another. And uh, and if you have read it, you probably either line up on the side of, I like Dickens or I really don't like Dickens. And I'm in that latter category. But it's... Still, one of those classic texts, and and part of the reason that it's a classic text is it works with this sense of our expectations and how our expectations inform our lives. And so in the novel, there's there's this guy named Pip. Uh, His his full name is Philip Purrip, uh, and and so you can kind of see why he gets nicknamed Pip. And and Pip starts off life as an orphan. He starts off life uh, impoverished. He starts off life without kind of having the things that, uh, that, that people in the world like to have. And because he comes from that place, he has these expectations, these desires, these dreams of what he might have. And he spends basically his life chasing after some of those things. And uh, by the time that you get to the end of the novel, you understand that uh, what he does in, in chasing after these things, these great expectations of his, what he's doing is, is actually sort of harming himself. And, and that's our fear. That's our fear of expectations. That's our fear of hope. That's our fear of so many things in life that, uh, that we will be disappointed by the things that we have these expectations and these hopes for. We have this fear that, that says that, well, I, I'm not going to hope, I'm not going to expect, I'm not going to have faith in the things that might be because if I have too much hope and I have too much faith and I have too much whatever, well, then I'll just be let down. And I don't like being let down. I don't like being disappointed. And so at some level, it's probably easier for me to just take my great expectations and move them down a little bit until I can get to a point where those expectations are all of a sudden manageable. They're no longer great expectations, but they're realistic expectations. They're expectations that I know that I could probably achieve on my own. And we get into that place of balancing out those things. A lot of us, we, we start off life with those great expectations. We, we start off life with these expectations of, okay, this is what I'm going to be. This is what I'm going to chase after. This is what I'm going to do. And we're beat down by life so much of the time. And uh, by being beat down by that life, we, we 
sacrifice those hopes and those dreams. We sacrifice that faith and that expectation because it's just easier to live life if our expectations are manageable, if our expectations are easily arrived at. Well, both of these stories in this gospel lesson are are about people that they, they had no rightful place expecting what they received. We, we start off the gospel reading with Jesus hiding out, it, it seems, from, uh, from, from the Jewish people. He's going to Tyre and Sidon, a, a place that is severely Gentile. I mean, we're not talking about they're just sort of half Jewish. So we're talking about he's going to a place where there are probably no Jewish people. In fact, some of the scholars think that part of the reason that Jesus might be retreating from a place where there's a whole bunch of Jews is, is that he just got done sort of crossing swords with the Pharisees. And as he's gotten done crossing swords with the Pharisees, they kind of wonder, okay, uh, we know that the, the Pharisees after a while get murderous. Uh, was that part of the reason? Was Jesus hiding out? Was he saying, okay, my life is in danger. Maybe his disciples are, are taking him by, by the hand and saying, let's get out of here. And so he's hiding out, and and we know Mark tells us that he's hiding out, but it doesn't work. It doesn't work because people have heard about who this Jesus guy is. And again, we're not talking about people who understand the Jewish religion. We're not talking about people that are like, oh, yeah, he's a rabbi. Or, oh, yeah, he's a prophet. We're talking about people who simply know him as somebody who can bring healing into the lives of people. We're simply talking about somebody who understands who Jesus is as somebody who can bring good stuff into their life. And that's this Syrophoenician woman, this woman whose daughter has a demon. And she hears about this healer who has come into her town. And without understanding his religion, without understanding his background, without understanding a lot of that stuff, he, she just goes in and talks to him. She goes in and, and talks to him as, as somebody who can give her something, somebody who can maybe give her a gift. And she knows that there's this sort of historical uh, distance between her people, the Gentile people, the Syrophoenician people, the Canaanite people, and the Jewish people. She knows that that exists, and even though she, she knows it exists, she doesn't exactly know all of the details around that. She doesn't know all of the cultural difference. She just knows you stay on your side and I'll stay on mine. And when she comes to Jesus, Jesus alludes to that idea. He alludes to that idea that there is this cultural divide between them because he says it is not right to give the children's food to the dogs. And that's an interesting cultural difference because you see, if you are a good Jewish person at the time, you do not have a dog as a house pet. I mean, if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. If you are very interested in ritual purity, if you're very interested in things making you clean and unclean, you probably don't have a dog around who's licking stuff and then licking you. And so the Jewish people at the time, they don't have dogs as house pets because dogs will make you unclean. 
And so when Jesus says it's not right to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs, what he's meaning there to us is kind of that creepy person that you know who has a tarantula as a pet. Yeah, that's kind of the the distance here. He's like, it's not right to take the food of the children and, and give it to your python, you weirdo. Why do you have that as a pet? That's what is going on here. And yet, this woman comes back, comes back at Jesus. And, and, and she says, yes. But the dogs even get, the dogs get the crumbs that the children drop. And there's this moment, this moment with Jesus that's so interesting. We've seen it really only one other time before. And it's that moment when Jesus was in in Cana in Galilee, surrounded by a whole bunch of Jewish people at that time. But another story where there's a woman who comes up to Jesus and says, there's something for you to do here. And Jesus balks at the opportunity. When Jesus was in Cana in Galilee, his mother Mary comes up to him and says, they're running out of wine. You need to get them some more wine. And Jesus comes back at his mother and says, woman, it is not yet my time. To which I'm sure Mary got her shoe out. (laughs) But then there's this moment, this moment in that miracle where Jesus actually stops and he reverses. And he says, woman, it's not yet my time. But then he goes and he does it anyway. And that's the same kind of moment that's happening here where Jesus confronts the woman and he says, it's not your time yet. It's not the time for the Gentiles to be included into all of this. It's not your time. But yet, when she comes back at him, He says, and now it is your time. Now it's the time for your miracle. Now it's time for me to blow any expectation that you have had out of the water. I'm not just going to, uh, I, I'm not just going to say some magic words. I'm not just going to pray and nothing will happen for your daughter. But I will tell you for sure that at this very moment, you, that demon has left your daughter. Out of time, out of the right expectations, out of the way that things should be. And that just rolls us in to the next miracle where Jesus is in the Decapolis. Yet another place that's filled with Gentiles. Another place that's filled with people that Jesus shouldn't be healing yet. And here we have a guy who's even worse off than the Syrophoenician woman. At least the Syrophoenician woman can come up to Jesus and she can say, Lord, I know who you are. I know that you can offer me something. I know that you can give me something great for my daughter. But here he approaches a man who is deaf and mute. Somebody who can't hear about this Jesus guy who's in the area. Somebody who can't do the same things that the Syrophoenician woman did because he he just doesn't know. Somebody who can't come up to Jesus and have this discussion with him like the Syrophoenician woman does. 
but rather somebody that Jesus just singles out out of the crowd. And you've got to appreciate how weird it has to be for this guy who can't hear, who can't speak, who all of a sudden has this weird dude putting his fingers in your ears and taking his spit and smearing it on your mouth. Oh, that's a weird moment. But it's a weird moment that brings him a healing that there's no way that he could have expected. It's a weird moment that brings him a gift that there is no earthly expectation for. You see, a lot of times the problem with our expectations about God is that they're our expectations. And God... God likes to deal with something on a whole nother level than our expectations. God likes to deal with the stuff that's really at the root of our problems. God likes to deal with the very stuff that is greater than the solutions than what we can think of. God likes to do the stuff that we have no reasonable expectations for. And so instead, sometimes, of healing us, he brings us to a resurrection Sometimes instead of fixing the problem that we're experiencing in our lives, he fixes it by changing the substance of it so that it's better for our lives having had that problem. Sometimes God takes our measly expectations and he says, these are garbage. I want to give you so much more. I want to give you eternal life. I want to give you the forgiveness of your sins so that you cannot be haunted by those things anymore, but so that you can know that they are taken care of by me on the cross. I want to give you a relationship with me where you can talk to me despite any kind of ritual purity that you might think is holding that back. I want to give you so many things that you just cannot expect. And that's a part of the joy and the privilege and the excitement of being a Christian. Is that we worship a God who goes beyond our expectations. We worship a God who goes routinely beyond what we think would be right for him to do. Because after all, wouldn't it be right of him to just say, well, yeah, I'm going to forgive your sins once, and then after that, (laughs) you're on your own, buddy. And and wouldn't it be right for him to say, well, I'm going to bring you into the kingdom, but after I bring you into the kingdom, it's all going to be about you having a perfect track record in the kingdom, otherwise you're out. All of those things are things that we could expect from God. But God brings us more. He brings us something where he says, I will blow you out of the water. 
I will make some things happen in your life early, like he made them happen early in the life of the Syrophoenician woman. I will make some things happen without you even asking for them, like he did in the life of the deaf and mute man. I will do all sorts of things in your life. Just trust me. Have faith. Have hope. And so sometimes while it's good for us to pray to God and say, God, this is kind of what I want and this is sort of what I, how I'm imagining it coming together, sometimes it's a little bit better to say, God, here's my problem. You know what's going on with me. And I know that you can do so much more in my life than what I can imagine. Please do whatever is in your will. Please handle this in the way that you would handle it, not the way that I would handle it. Because if God dealt with us in the way that we felt like we could, that he should handle it, he wouldn't send his only begotten son in order to die on a cross so that we could receive the forgiveness of our sins and a resurrection into eternal life. It would be so much paler, so, so much less exciting than that but that is exactly what he has done he's shown us that we can expect great things out of him and so may you go out into this week and every time one of those expectations of how something is going to come across comes out Remember that you know a God who will shatter even your greatest expectations one day. Amen. Thank you for listening to this media from University Lutheran Church and Student Center. To learn more and to get connected to other resources, please visit universitylutheranchurch.org. If you would like to financially support more media from University Lutheran, please visit our website and click the Give Now button, which will enable you to engage in the Christian discipline of giving tithes and offerings to God through His church. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift up His face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Lord,